0: A few years back, <clears throat> I had the privilege of going to Kenya for a missions trip and we built we built four churches in the eleven days that we were there and uh, and then the the last two days, we went to a safari and while we were out the first evening it was it was awesome by the way and um, <clears throat> We were out, and I we saw this we saw this crippled zebra that was that was out walking around that night, and I said, "Poor thing, that's going to be supper for something here in just a little bit." And I was wrong. The next morning, whenever we went out, we came across a lioness with her cubs, and he was actually breakfast for, for this. And I'm going to tell you, they were, even the cubs were ripping into that zebra. And I mean, blood going everywhere, flesh going everywhere. They were going at it. It was awesome. (laughs) I can't imagine... Being put in a lion's den with those cubs, much less some hungry lions. The other thing about, about this familiar story is that he's, Daniel was not a young man. He was an old man, and the lions didn't look like kittens. They were hungry beasts. So, but also, Daniel, we've been... All of the other, the last few weeks, we've been looking, and the king was King Nebuchadnezzar. Today, in this story, it is a new king. He's under the king, King Darius. He's actually the third king that Daniel served under. So let's look at the story. We're going we're to read the story because... <clears throat> um, Every time I tried to just tell it, I would take longer telling it than what I would reading it. So we're going to read this story. Very, very familiar. Daniel chapter 6, starting with verse 1. Darius the Mede decided to divide the kingdom into 120 provinces, and he appointed a high officer to rule over each province. The king also chose Daniel and two others as administrators to supervise the high officers and protect the king's interests. Daniel soon proved himself more capable than than all the other administrators and high officers. Because of Daniel's great ability, the king made plans to place him over the entire empire. Then the other administrators and high officers began to search for some fault in the way Daniel was handling (laughs) government affairs, but they couldn't find anything to criticize or condemn Look at this. He was faithful, always responsible, and completely trustworthy. That should be a sign of every follower of Christ in the workplace. So they concluded, our only chance of finding grounds for accusing Daniel will be, to, will be in connection with the rules of his religion. Religion. So the administrators and high officers went to the king and said, "Long live the king, long live King Darius. We are all in agreement." <laughs> Notice right off the deception and manipulation. They came in with flattery and they said, All of us, we've gotten together, and all of us are in agreement. And you know good and well that Daniel wasn't in agreement of that. They left him out of those those plans. We're all in agreement. We, administrators, officials, high officers, advisors, and governors, that the king should make a law that will be strictly enforced. Give orders that for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone, divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. <laughs> and now, your majesty, issue a sign, this law, issue and sign this law so it cannot be changed an official law of the Medes and the Persians that cannot be revoked. So King Darius signed the law. But when Daniel learned that the law had been signed, he went home and he knelt down as usual in his upstairs room with its windows open toward Jerusalem. He prayed three times a day, just as he had always done, giving thanks to his God. Daniel didn't know for sure that God would rescue him. He simply had to make a decision. It's not that he didn't have options. I mean, he could have, he could have, he'd been serving God for years. I mean, it's decades now. He could have gone to God and said, Lord we've been together for a long time and you you know what this decree is. I'm sure that we can take 30 days off. Your grace is sufficient. He could have, he had that option or he could have done what honestly what I probably would have done. I would have gone home just like I always did because you know I want to keep my relationship right with God. I just wouldn't open the windows and I would have stayed pretty quiet in my prayers. (laughs) Or his option and the option that he took was the one that we see here. To keep on praying. Take a stand and keep on praying the same way that you've always prayed. So he opened the window. And and verse 11. "Then Then the officials... Went together to Daniel's house and found him praying and asking God for God's help. So they went straight. They were setting him up and they could not wait to tattletale. They went straight to the king and reminded him about his law. Did you not sign a law? That for, 30, for the next 30 days, any person who prays to anyone divine or human, except to you, your majesty, will be thrown into the den of lions. Yes, the king replied. That decision stands. It is an offense, official law of the Medes and Persians, Persians that cannot be revoked. Then they told the king. That man, Daniel, one of the captives from Judah, is ignoring you and your law. He still prays to his God three times a day. And hearing this, the king was deeply troubled and he tried to think of a way to save Daniel. He spent the rest of the day looking for a way to get Daniel out of of this predicament. In the evening, the men went together to the king and said, Your Majesty, you know that according to the law of the Medes and Persians, no law that the king signs can be changed. So at last the king gave orders for Daniel to be arrested and thrown into the den of lions. The king said to him, may your God whom you serve so faithfully rescue you. <laughs> A stone was, was brought and placed over the mouth of the, of the den. The king sealed the stone with his own royal seal and the seals of his, his nobles so that no one could rescue Daniel. Then the king returned to his palace and spent the night fasting. He refu- Actually, I just now thought about it. He's actually praying right now, fasting and praying. He should be in the lion's den as well. <laughs> he refused his usual entertainment and couldn't sleep at all that night. Very early the next morning, the king got up and hurried hurried out to the, to the lion's den. When he got there, he called out to, in anguish, Daniel, served. Uh, Daniel, servant of the living God, was your God whom you serve so faithfully able to rescue you from the lions? Daniel answered, long live the king. May God, at, My God sent his angel to shut the lion's mouth so that they could not hurt me for I have been found innocent in his sight. And I have not wronged you, your majesty. The king was overjoyed and ordered, and ordered that Daniel be lifted from the den. Not a scratch was found on him, for he had trusted in his God. Then the king gave orders to arrest the, the men who had maliciously accused Daniel. He had, he had them thrown into the lion's den along with their wives and children. This guy was extreme. The lions leaped on them and tore them apart before they even hit the floor of the den. Then King Darius sent this message to the people of every race, nation, and language throughout the world. Peace and prosperity to you. I decree that everyone throughout my kingdom should tremble with the fear before the God of Daniel. For he is the living God and he will endure forever. His kingdom will never be destroyed and his rule will never end. He rescues and saves his people. He performs miraculous signs and wonders in the heavens and on earth. He has rescued Daniel from the power of the lions. So Daniel prospered during the reign of Darius and the reign of Cyrus. And the reign of Cyrus, the Persian. God, as we look to your word today, in this example, I pray that you would just encourage us and penetrate our hearts and fill us with love and courage to stand for you. In Jesus' name I pray. Everybody say it? Amen. Amen. Let me this real quickly, we're going to give some lessons from Daniel and the lion's den and... We've got several points here, but just know that there were more points (laughs) because there's a whole lot that we could take from this story. So this this isn't exhaustive, but we're going to move pretty quickly. The first thing that we can learn from this story is that age and years of faithfulness Do not exempt you from opportunities and importance of taking a stand. Just because you've gotten old and just because you've been living faithfully for God for a long time doesn't mean that there's not going to be attacks that bring opportunities for you to take a stand that is going to cause you to risk a whole lot. Daniel was old. He had been serving God faithfully for years, and yet he was still tested in a major way. So in the midst of this, I'm asking the question, what in the world built that kind of faith to where he entered into this test And this situation that could bring temptation and give, he had options to be able to compromise, and yet he continued to stand fast and take a stand for God in the midst of the risk of not only losing his livelihood, but losing his life. I want to just touch on that for just a minute. Number one, Need to determine what you value. He had determined what he valued because what you value will determine how you live and not only what you're willing to live for but what you're willing to die for. So we need to to determine what we value. And in that, you need to develop some personal core values that run deeper than your personal pleasures and comforts. Develop some personal core values that run deeper than your personal pleasures and comforts. If your values are based on pleasure and comfort, comfort, you will never take a stand that's going to take the chance of costing you something. Some of the things that I value, I value my relationship with God. I value, I value my family. We we spent a couple of days at the lake this week with our family, and it was fantastic. And I'm thankful, and we'll take just a minute here. I'm thankful that we live in a country where one of the ways that we are able to take a stand is through our vote. And I want to encourage you to vote. We had the elections coming up. Did you know that there are approximately 90 million Christians that live in the U.S. of A. that are eligible to vote, and 40 million out of the 90 million fail to do so? 15 million Christians in the United States of America aren't even registered to vote. Hopefully you're all registered. I will never, I will never tell you um, who to vote for. But I do strongly encourage you to vote. And that it be based on Some core values. And if you're a follower of Christ, some of those values, I know you didn't ask, but I know you're really interested. So I'm going to give you just a couple of things that I value. I value life, liberty, and the pursuit of happiness. I believe those are core values that God has placed. That, that I believe that we are fearfully and that we're wonderfully made. I believe it whenever the Bible says that God says that he knew us before we while we were still in our mother's womb. So I value life. Did you know that that there are actually more, Over the last several years, since I think it's since 2012, there have been more black babies that have been aborted in New York City than have been born alive. 2016, 23,382 black babies were aborted. I value life. Somewhere between 800,000 and 1.3 million babies are killed in their mother's womb every year in the United States of America. Me personally, I have a hard time voting. And I won't. It's one of the places I take a stand. I can't vote for a person or a platform, and that what we've seen over the uh, this average. And I'm going to get off my soapbox in just a second, but I feel compelled, as your pastor, to say it. That's not even good enough. Apparently, that's not enough babies to abort because now we have politicians and people who are pushing to not only abort babies that from the first and second semester but now there's a push for babies to be aborted up until seconds before they're out of their mother's womb before they're birthed I think the judgment of God And I I have great compassion for ladies. And please don't take, if you've had an abortion, please do not take this as condemnation. But we as a country need to stand for life. We all right out there? I won't go on into the I won't go on into some other stuff as far as what I value, but that's one that I think that I can say honestly and passionately that we as followers of Christ need to think very seriously about. I value liberty. I value free speech. Whether I agree with you or not, And I'll say this. I value, I value free speech of people, I I value the free speech of racists. I want them to talk a whole lot. Because then I know who to go to my grandkids and say, don't get too close to that person over there. Let them expose themselves. I value life because I know that you're interested. And I value liberty. Amen? All right, we'll move on. I can tell y'all are saying, oh, he's standing. (laughs) The next lesson that we can learn from this story is that to realize that everybody is not going to agree with what you value. There may be some in this room right now, and I'm sure there's some that are watching right now that will that don't agree with what I value. And some may even, and we see it, we see it in this story. Some may even use what you value against you. Go on to the next one. Shallow values, or no values leave you vulnerable to manipulation and deep regret. Look at King Darius. He loved Daniel. He respected Daniel. And yet because he had such shallow values to the point where he was able, they were able to just, flatter him and say, King, lift him up, your majesty, over and over and over and over and over again. They were able to, because he had either no values or shallow values, they were able to manipulate him into something that caused deep regret. And how many times do we as followers of Christ not get... Not think about or not let God put the values deep enough in us to where we are able to be manipulated by the things of this world that we should be able to be standing up for in our own or up against in our own personal lives. Then consistently. Living your values increases the ability to stand when your values are tested. Consistently living your values increases the ability to stand when your values are tested. Because I guarantee you, your values are going to be tested in some way. It may not be tested to the point where it's going to cost you a whole lot, It may not be tested to the point where it can cost you your life, but I can promise you, your values are going to be tested consistently. And whenever you let those values get down deep to the point where you pass, you stand firm, and you're not manipulated on a day-to-day basis, consistently standing for God in your own life, whenever the big test comes, God has given you enough strength. To stand in the big test. Seth Young, come on back. Miraculous, the miraculous happens when your values and God's values align. How many times have we already seen it through the last couple of weeks? The last three weeks. These are God's, and they even said it in here, these other ones that were trying to set Daniel up. Daniel, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they were the low ones on the totem pole. They had been brought in as captives. They were slaves in this In this country. And yet over and over again. As they aligned their values. Aligned with God's values. God continued to elevate them. To the point that it was miraculous. In fact. I want to be one of those people. That God can use. To stand for Him in the right way, the right time, for the right reasons, to where it, it, it not only gets the attention of people, but it gets the attention of God first. Because whenever you have the attention of God you see we see it over and over again people's opinion doesn't matter quite as much it, it doesn't matter to the point to where it manipulates you to go against the values that God has placed down deep and whenever we do that it is amazing how the miraculous can happen. I don't believe it was just for then. I believe God wants to do the miraculous today through us. And lastly, bowing before God precedes standing for God. In fact this probably needed to be first and last because this is the way we find this is how how God's values are revealed there's some things that that aren't learned they're revealed there's some things that you can't that you can't learn. You just come to know. And whenever we bow our hearts before God and say, Lord, I want my values, I want my life to line up with what you have for my life. Romans 12 1 and 2 talks about it like I offer myself as a sacrifice. Holy. Acceptable before you because this is our reasonable act of worship and it goes on to say then you will know not you will learn but then you will know God's will his perfect his pleasing his good will so the first thing to do is to bow before God and let him reveal his values for us and how much he values us and then as he reveals that then it goes down to be the personal core values that causes us to have the strength and the ability stand to continue to stand in love you don't see Daniel blasting all of the fishes I can't believe y'all did that I can't believe y'all did that I can't. Believe. he just went with his life and kept on bowing before God opened up his window and said y'all take a look I value I trust my God and God used him let him have his most, his best sleep. His fuzzy, soft bed and pillow. Praise God. You can build your life. Things of this world are shaky and they are being shaken right now. But as we bow before God and we let Him put His core values into us, our lives will not be shaken. Amen. Praise God.